Welcome to Weekend Warriors, the weekly foreign policy podcast that connects you to the world around you. I'm Essie Cup. Let me start this week by describing a scenario to you. A nation state engages an air war against a terrorist insurgency on the ground. But instead of following a battle plan, both sides rely on Twitter and Twitter reaction to make their next moves. It's sort of like a high-tech Hunger Games where audience participation decides the winner. Well, um, that's actually kind of already happening. A 2016 study by American University of the Israel Defense Forces 2012 air campaign against Hamas in the Gaza Strip found that the conflict followed the pace set on Twitter. The tempo of operations and targeting shifted depending on which side was dominating the online conversation at the time. The military officers and civilian leaders were watching their social media feed and reacting accordingly. That is just one revelation from a terrific and also alarming new piece in foreign policy by Peter W. Singer and Emerson Brooking called, The Future of War Will Be Liked. In the social media age, what you share is deciding what happens on the battlefield. The duo's new book is called Like War, The Weaponizing of Social Media. Peter Singer joins me now. Uh, Peter, wow. That (laughs) sounds sounds like a modern-day version of war games, except a computer program isn't influencing foreign powers in battle. We are. You have this technology that has become the nervous system of you know, everything from our personal lives, our dating lives, to business, but it's also now the key player, obviously enough in politics, but also war. And what we're calling like war is the idea that if cyber war was the hacking of networks, like war is the hacking of the people on the networks through a mix of both likes and lies going viral. And we've seen its effect in everything from the one that you mentioned in Israel to it's wrapped up in the story of ISIS, not just the rise of ISIS and its recruiting, but it wove it into its battlefield operations to Russia and Ukraine, Mexican drug cartels, you name it. This is the new way of war. It's just as it's the new way of um, politics and news. Yeah. So just to clarify for listeners, like wars, you don't mean it's like a war. You mean, you know, people liking things on social, on social media. I actually mean both. Okay, uh, talk to like, me about it. Like everything else in this space, it's a bit of a play on words and double meanings. So it's like war in terms of the Clausewitz blending of war and politics. It's like war in that you have competing sides, the terrain matters, all the lessons of, you know, war carry over. You have military actors and the like. But it's in turn when they are competing back and forth, whether it is the um, ISIS versus the U.S. military coalition around Mosul or it's the IDF against Hamas borders or it's um, Kanye West versus Taylor Swift fans. Mm -hmm. They're actually all using the very same tactics to win their battles online, to achieve their goal in the real world, whether it's to um, induce another uh, enemy to run away, uh, what ISIS did to the Iraqi army uh, in the first battle of Mosul, or to influence the outcome of an election, what Russia has done in terms of targeting everywhere from Brexit to U.S. elections, Mexican election, or um, to influence the sale of albums. 
So I want to get into some of those uh, more heady examples in a minute, but let's just start with some of the real examples, some of the sillier ones uh, of social media interactions between between foreign powers and and terrorists or terrorist state sponsors. Um, You write that in June 2018, for example, the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C., answered a threat by Iran's supreme leader, the Ayatollah al-Khamenei, with a Mean Girls meme. Um, Another example, in May 2018, the U.S. Air Force cracked jokes about airstrikes in Afghanistan while the Taliban returned the favor by poking fun at former U.S. Commander David Petraeus's illicit love affair. affair. I mean, this does sound sort of silly. We all know what Twitter memes are. But why are they more, why is this more dangerous than that? Well, so there's a silliness of it. Um, It's, you know, basically trying to mock your foes. Uh, It's also about drawing attention. Um, It's basically trolling. And we know that trolling works. But there's a real world side behind it. The first is that you're having more interactions between these warring sides than have ever been possible before. Not just the leaders going back and forth, but even the individual soldiers. So if you look at, for example, uh, Ukraine, you have um, Russian and uh, Ukrainian soldiers jousting back and forth online while they're actually physically fighting. But that reveal of information is also being used for, for example, artillery strike targeting and the like. I think the concern is um, just like uh, trolling online and um, how it's become wrapped up, for example, in the story of the spike in the murder rate in uh, Chicago, mm-hmm. where you know what's online, online beefs have real world consequence. The same effect may be playing out in diplomacy. So after you've insulted someone from the other side, importantly, in front of the world, Mm -hmm. can you come down from it? And uh, we're seeing that example, too. There's other examples where uh, we've actually seen outbreaks of violence. Um, For example, uh, there was even a split between a terrorist group in Nigeria where um, the the first there was an online beef and then the the two leaders broke apart. It was almost like two rap kingpins battling with each Mm. other. But again, with physical battlefield consequences. Wow. Um, Okay. so for the average listener, take me. How do I play a role in this? I use social media. I like things. I retweet things. I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Am I playing a role in this and and maybe I don't even know it? Yes. Your attention is a target in this and your clicks help decide which side wins out. So go back to that example of um, Israel versus Hamas. Uh, They had a military campaign, a classic airstrike, and um, it was uh, basically kind of a a little bit of a draw. Israel wins out with the airstrikes, but Hamas holds the ground. But online, you have more than 10 million tweets going back and forth. And Israel loses in that space And then it begins, as you mentioned, the the study, it affects their battlefield operations. When the ebb and flow is going, basically when they're losing, their number of airstrikes goes down by half. They're basically watching how the world is reacting to what they're doing and then modulating accordingly. 
Um, and you can see uh, there's other examples of your inactivity in kind of a scary, creepy way. Uh, for example, um, crowdsourcing uh, is something that we've seen hit you know, domestic politics. We've seen it hit fundraising. Yeah. The same thing has hit, uh, for example, terrorist group fundraising, where uh, be it ISIS to Iraqi militias have fundraised in the same manner. You can um, sponsor uh, a Mujahid in the same way that you can sponsor your friend's fund run. Wow. But then there's also the interactivity, uh, for example, one um, group took a, uh, a POW, they captured them, and then they said, hey, world, help decide for us what to do with them. Vote. Wow. And then a couple hours later, they put up a selfie and the person's body was in the background. And what's, again, you go, the connection is unlike in the past of war, it can reach across oceans. So among the people voting were clearly Americans. They were helping to decide the individual fate of a POW thousands of miles away. Then you get, you know, again, your clicks deciding, for example, um, whose information warfare campaign wins out. So Russia's conducting these activities, but it doesn't matter if we're not clicking on it, if we're not driving the messaging that they want viral. So this is a space where we are both simultaneously uh, targets, consumers, and combatants. Um, Peter Singer, I have a lot more to ask you. Stay right there. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Weekend Warriors. I'm back with Peter Singer, who, along with Emerson Brooking, wrote a fascinating piece for foreign policy called The Future of War Will Be Liked. In the social media age, what you share is deciding what happens on the battlefield. It's from the duo's new book called Like War, The Weaponizing of Social Media. Uh, Peter, you talk about this in, in the piece a little bit, and I actually remember this because I was covering it at the time. The State Department, the United States State Department, played around with a Twitter handle for a while and and kind of participated in the nascent beginnings of online social media campaigns, it did not go well. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, that scene is from when they decided it was a good idea to argue with ISIS. And amongst the arguments was um, ISIS was using imagery that was pulled from Hungarian porn. And so you get the strangest diplomatic message of all where the State Department says, ISIS, stop using Hungarian porn to bolster your <laughs> right. cause, which then, you know, two things happen. The first is it raises the question of why does the State Department have this encyclopedic knowledge of Hungarian porn? <laughs> but the second is it violates one of the rules of behavior on the Internet, but also kind of in this new weird ward space, the, the Streisand rule, it draws attention to ISIS, which it wants. It right. helps its cause. And I'm going to blow your mind, actually, with a, even uh, an example that wasn't in the article of where these strange spaces cross. Um, so over the course of the research, we tried to learn the, the new rules of what wins out, what drives your message viral. And yeah. one of these was the power of narrative. And we had two interviews that happened in the same week. One was with this State Department team that was doing the counter-messaging against ISIS. The other was with 
Spencer Pratt. Um, if you don't remember the name, Spencer Pratt was uh, a reality star. Oh, I know who um, he is. Yes, who then, um, besides being <laughs> on screen and voted uh, TV's top villain, even beat Lex Luthor, uh, he produced a show that brought the Kardashians into the world. And so we're interviewing him about basically how do you uh, manipulate the media. How do you drive your message viral? For him, his goal was to be famous. Mm-hmm. And he's teaching us these tricks of the trade. Mm-hmm. And then we go meet with the State Department team about their planning to battle ISIS online. And very quickly, we realized they don't get it. He got it. It's kind of this wow. weird, strange thing to say. He got how to do messaging, how to build narrative, how to drive, achieve your goals online. And by contrast, the State Department team just didn't get it and they flailed yeah. and they failed at it. Well, let's talk for a second about a possible upside of this. Um, you write, quote, the result is that the smallest of firefights is observed by a global audience while terrorist attacks are even shared out live by the killers themselves. This reminds me of a very recent BBC report about a 2018 video of a, an horrific attack in Africa. Um, BBC Africa was able to analyze this video that was put out and and analyze, like, the ridgeline of the mountains, the uniforms of the attackers, the satellite images of structures, and determine fairly conclusively who was behind that attack, that that attack took place in Cameroon in early 2016. Uh, Using that video, the BBC was also able to identify the attackers uh, reporting, we found a Facebook profile that links the nickname Chachko to a soldier called Syriac Bityala. The name Syriac Bityala also appears on the government's list of men now under investigation. BBC Africa, Peter, posted all of this in a thread that went viral. It's fascinating if you haven't seen it, uh, listeners, but is this the kind of thing that can actually help solve some of these war crimes in some cases? Absolutely. You have these new rules of the game. So one of which we talked about was the kind of battles of disinformation back and forth. But you also have the fact that, in effect, there's no more secrets. And that no more secrets can, um, it's presented a challenge for the U.S. military. Uh, For example, the bin Laden raid was supposed to be top secret. They weren't even told the target till the helicopter takes off. And yet there was a Pakistani cafe owner who was up late at night in Abbottabad. Here's the helicopters come in and he does the new natural thing. He goes on to Twitter to complain. Right. And his complaints double as this live battlefield report. And what's that, what that has done is it's changed the operational environment for the military. But as you note, it's also allowed us to see things in war that were never possible before to document it. And there's another change on top of this. You know, you mentioned the example of the BBC team. Mm-hmm. That's journalists piecing together the once yeah. secrets. Uh, one of the examples that we explore is how it doesn't have to be professional journalists. You have this um, network of uh, work-from-home Sherlock Holmes who have come together and they, for example, have documented Russian war crimes and they've mixed everything from uh, photos of um, 
selfies by Russian soldiers to traffic cam imagery and the like. And for example, if you look at the case of the shootdown of the Malaysian airliner over Ukraine, probably the biggest war crime in uh, Europe in the last generation, 298 civilians killed. Yeah. These civilians, none of them in the intelligence agencies, none of them are professional journalists. Right. They piece together not just that Russia did it, not just which Russian unit did it, 53rd Anti-Aircraft Brigade, not just which Russian missile truck did it, mm-hmm. but the individual names of the Russian soldiers that pulled the trigger. Mm. So this is a sea change because what is this group? Are they an intelligence agency? Right. Are they journalists? Are they just people online? Right. Well, they're all of that. Reminds me of a little bit of the white helmets in, in Syria, how often they Perfect give, example. Yeah, so yeah. much, so, so much um, information that peacekeepers and government agencies just can't get. Uh, finally, last question. How does Alex Jones fit into all of this? <laughs> uh, Inquiring well, minds want to know. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely on the disinformation side and yeah. the spreading of uh, false things. But also uh, the branding that he used to have was that there was a war on for your mind. And what was fascinating is uh, I remember listening to uh, General McChrystal, who once commanded our forces in Afghanistan. Yeah. And he used a very similar phrasing talking to a audience of um, military and security professionals. And he basically said, for the foreseeable future, there will be this kind of battle, not just for people's hearts in terms of a counterinsurgency, but also their minds online. And especially when it comes to not just the disinformation, but you know, new technology like AI and the like, that it's going to be increasingly difficult, not just for governments to figure out the truth in the mix of all of this, but also us as individual citizens until we learn these new rules of the game. And that's the key for us being able to succeed in this space. Yeah, you have a great quote from from General McChrystal, shaping the perception of which side is right or which side is winning will be more important than actually which side is right or winning. Uh, Peter Singer, great piece for foreign policy. I look forward to The book, it's called Like War, The Weaponizing of Social Media by Peter Singer and Emerson Brooking. Uh, Thanks for joining Weekend Warriors. Thank you. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.